0: episode of chatty Broads with Becca and Jess
1: well hello Broads. hello Becca
2: Hello again
1: how are you today?
2: <laughs> great Well, this is. I so
1: like- <laughs> We were recording a second episode today. We've been recording two at a time. And so we always act like it's the next day because we're coming at you from yes. a different day. Oh, are not Thursday. So good to see you again. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a special episode because we have two very special guests. But I do have to say one of our special guests has been an OG broad, like from the get go. Day oneer. This person and I have been DMing for a hot, hot minute. And when I told them that I wanted to have a conversation, they then brought their friend. I'm so excited. So let's introduce OG Broad, Ellie Desitel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and maybe Burke. Hello.
3: Thanks. Not even just an OG Broad, but like I watched Becca on our season. So it's like, full circle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah, it has been it has been one of those. And we've had like, I've had the pleasure of being able to. Have moments with some of our listeners that then we're able to get, you know, fun interviews and all this. But Ellie definitely, I think, has probably been the broad that I've been chatting with the longest. So, yeah, I think so. Because,
3: well, because you guys were so early in like your podcast, I was like. I got to sneak in while you have like very so few followers so that you actually respond.
1: <laughs> oh, genius so strategy. I made that genius well, strategy. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into all this, can we start let's start this episode off correct? Let's chat pronouns for a second so our broads know. Ellie,
3: you cool. want to take it first? Yeah. So my pronouns are they them. And maybe
0: Um, I use they or she, but they is better. By the way,
2: maybe is the best name, especially in conjunction with your last name, because then it's like maybe Burke. Mm -hmm. Like maybe Burke's here. (laughs) I love (laughs) it. It's so cool.
1: Um... So today, we wanted to have a conversation. Um, This episode has been such a long time coming. It's been something that Becca and I have been wanting to chat about. And between mine and Ellie's conversations back and forth, I've seen Ellie speak a lot about this on their platform um, years ago and continuing through the years. Um, But we wanted to have a conversation about being transgender and Ellie and maybe have been so gracious enough to hop on and have this conversation with us. We wanted to say before this whole thing starts, Becca and I are going to be asking some questions, some one oh one that in this conversation, Ellie and maybe have been so gracious enough to allow us to kind of pick their brains, to have certain que- to ask certain questions that are going to take emotional labor. Yeah, basically, we have permission to <laughs> just really permission. run
2: the gamut. And this may not be appropriate to do in your personal life or with people you don't know very well or maybe people you do know well. So
1: just a little bit of a heads up before. So um, do you both mind giving us a little bit of a a bio about
2: yourselves? Who you are, where you're from, all that.
3: Yeah. You go first, maybe.
0: Maybe oh gosh um
3: <laughs>
0: i do better if I've no heard somebody. i need some inspiration <laughs> I, I mean i feel like ellie could also do my bio because ellie famously wrote about me in a paper in college I, oh my god <laughs>
3: <laughs> really that's yeah, one of my yeah. favorite things so flattering i know before i even knew before i even knew them yeah So funny. no way that is yeah. so cool yeah.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Which just makes my heart very happy. Um, But yeah, my name's Maybe Burke. Um, I am an actor, a writer, and a human rights advocate. Um, I've worked a lot of different (laughs) ways and a lot of different jobs. Um, But I primarily at this point, um, well, at this point, not really acting because <sighs> the world has shut down yeah. um, and um, I've been able to like have a couple of gigs on zoom and whatnot. Um, but my primary gig right now is actually working with the transgender training Institute where we do um, in person when we can and virtual trainings for trans um, and non-binary inclusion um, for professional development and um, just personal development as well. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I'm a storyteller, an actor, um, TV, theater, um, all those kinds of things.
2: Cool.
3: Amazing. Yeah. So I'm Ellie. Um, I am an actor, first and foremost. Um, I consider myself an artist because I sing. Um, I write music. I play instruments. But those are not my main focus ever. Like <laughs> Once acting took over, it was that was it um and yeah of course not acting right now um I consider myself an activist as well because I do have a platform as an actor so why not use it and um I have just been spending a lot of time um writing monologues because I just find that anywhere you look for monologues for auditions they're so gendered Mm. and I want to write monologues Mm. for everybody Mm. that's awesome so I'm Yeah, so I'm doing that a little bit right now. And I'm also just been connecting with other trans, masculine, non-binary actors on Instagram. And I might be like kickstarting a little like trans, mask non-binary actor support group, um, which I'm super stoked about. Yeah. How fascinating. The last time we had a queer panel, I think like everyone
2: was actors on there as well. I know. Do you you remember?
1: We have have LA and now we have New York in the house. We've got
3: a bunch of performers (laughs) (laughs) showing up to chat. I love it. My Enneagram type is three also, so oh, the performer. The spotlight. <laughs> okay, I have
2: a couple more just like fun questions to add mm-hmm. to the bio. We have to, I'm just going to start off with it. Our famous question that we used to ask all the time mm-hmm. for our guests. What would your last meal be on death row? Now, lasagna, Ellie, you have to start.
3: <laughs> lasagna. Oh, Las- lasagna, yeah. Yeah. Or scalped potatoes. My favorite Yay! food is potatoes. Oh. I like potatoes in all kinds of ways. So, like, scallop potatoes. So really, oh, my God. oh, they're so good. <laughs> so good. Love it. So good. With, like the baked cheese on top. Mm. Can't even. Mm. <laughs> what about drink? Uh, gin and tonic. Nice. With two limes. Ooh. Nice.
2: Yeah. Extra zesty.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe it's because I can't stand the, the, the bitterness of the <laughs> chicken. So, I'm like, let me just add a lot of fruit. <laughs>
2: Okay, maybe the spotlight's on you.
0: Mm, um, I'd probably have to say um, a Wendy's homestyle chicken sandwich. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> I feel like that's one of the best answers we've had. <laughs>
0: Which might be revealing a lot about myself.
3: <laughs> no, wait, can we edit that out?
0: I too much. Okay, drink.
2: So Wendy's, I mean, are you getting like a Wendy's Coke
1: with it? Or, or are we getting the a fr- cherry Coke? Oh, a ch- oh, yum. Oh my God. I'm drooling now. Also, I'm just thinking about the frosty freezes from Wendy's. Oh, I love those. The dollar. They're like a dollar. Remember mm-hmm. you used to get the Halloween coupons
2: for oh, them? I don't know why I remember that, but yeah.
1: They're so good. They are. Oh, gosh. Those still exist.
2: <laughs>
0: no. I'm a connoisseur. <laughs> I think
2: I'm going to have to go find a Wendy's after this and do a quick like, f- like, run. I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast, but do you guys remember when that woman found a, a finger in her Wendy's chili?
1: Why would you yeah, say that? You did now? talk about
2: that.
0: <laughs> it's a dark time. For us. <laughs> Ellie's like, yes, we, we,
2: you did. We mourned.
1: We I grieved. I
0: think about it
2: a lot. <laughs> Weirdly. Because there was so much drama surrounding that. I mean, I there, was all, there. there should be. There was all these <laughs> urban legends, though, that like they dug up her aunt's body, and like the aunt's body had a finger removed, and like it was. And then that, what actually happened was something like there was an accident at this person's job, and then they put the finger in the chili to to get money from a lawsuit or something. I, that
1: makes that might sense also be an me. urban legend.
2: I don't know, fact from fiction at this point. Anyway, we can move on from that.
1: The point is that I do appreciate that you are still attending Wendy's regardless of the scandal. (laughs) I feel the same. I feel the same way. That's how I'm a Chuck E. Cheese pizza connoisseur. And when Shane Dawson put out that whole piece about how this doesn't line up. You're like, no, Chuck is not canceled. And everyone was just like, ew, you keep eating there. Do you know about this? I'm like, yes, I do. And I will
2: continue to consume the pizza. (laughs) You're like, I'm a thrifty queen. I don't want any food to go to waste. Exactly. Anyways. Incredible. So. (laughs)
1: Can we talk about childhood a little bit and what that looked like for
2: both of you?
3: Yeah, I can start. Um, my I like so so privileged and lucky to have such a great such great parents. And also I was the last of four, so I mean there's a lot of leniency there for me probably. Mm. But in general, <laughs> my mom, always wanted us to express ourselves however we wanted. It's not that she explicitly said that. She just let us. Mm. And when I was in third grade, I asked for my haircut to be like a boy. And if this doesn't show you how much of an advocate she is, I don't know what will. The hairdresser said, so do you want it like, like kind of like a feminine pixie cut? And my mom was like, no. They asked for it to cut like a boy. So cut it like a boy. Mm. <laughs> and so I think that that always allowed me to kind of just be myself, like I just having this freedom of expression and to wear whatever I wanted. Um looking back, there's a lot of like signs that like I was always definitely non-binary. Um mm-hmm. like in eighth grade I I dressed up as a boy for Halloween. Like just boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like got a wig cause at of that point I drew my hair out a little bit and I got boy like board shorts. And after that those shorts like stayed in my everyday wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think that I was definitely blessed. I mean like I didn't know for a really long time until um college that trans people existed. Hmm. Um so I mean there was a time in high school, we can get into that in a bit, but um mostly I didn't really know what the hell that meant. And like until college like then I realized like looking back like wow, I think I've always like like even though I sort of had this freedom of expression and like I, you know, being a girl was what I made it, you know, Mm. but then I found what non-binary was and I was like, Mm. oh, that's, that's Mm. what, that's the definition of what I experienced. It's not girl for sure. Even though like I was expressing myself comfortably as, you know, a girl, I never identified with it. It wasn't like, oh yes, I am a girl. Like that is my identity. Like it was never that. It was just, I was living life as a kid. So yeah. Um, Yeah, I think I was really lucky to have such a great family and my siblings also just like I looked up to them a lot and my sister, you know, drew on her pants. She was like such an expressive person. And so I kind of always, um, yeah, I always like looked up to that and um, mirrored that Mm -hmm. in my childhood. So yeah, I feel really great that I was able to be myself until I could figure it out myself. How old are you? I'm 25. Okay, so yeah,
2: we're the same age and I think it's so funny because uh Jess and I were just talking about on our previous episode how much has changed in like the past 15 years in terms of like awareness and representation when it comes to transgender people and I felt the same way. I didn't even know, I didn't know any terms, I didn't know of people's existence until college which is was only what five years ago for us mm-hmm. five or six years ago it's pretty yeah. incredible um of how yeah. much has changed so
1: yes
0: it is it is
1: mm-hmm. what about you maybe
0: um yeah so i mean ellie i love that you talk about how lucky you are and i wish i had your childhood <laughs> um well, actually, if I had your childhood and I was assigned female at birth, I'd probably be fine. But <laughs> um, um, but um, I am also the youngest of my family, um, which I think also gave me a little leeway with things. Um, I have two older brothers um, and we were kind of like lenient on like gender roles and um, we all like were very into like music and like pop culture things. Um, The three of us used to pretend we were Destiny's child as kids, um, which there's also a much larger conversation to unpack about (laughs) three white people assigned male at (laughs) birth on Long Island pretending to be black women as children. Um, But also our initials in age order corresponded with their initials in order of importance. So Billy was Beyonce, Kevin was Kelly and I was Michelle. it worked um, but um just years of like performing and like us pretending to be pop stars and like the Spice Girls and like all of those things um and it's very interesting because both of my brothers are cis um they're both gay but they're cis um and my mother, I know, like, always wanted a girl. And I often joke that after me, she was, like, mm, close enough. <laughs> um, and um, I was, like, kind of given the ability to, like, explore and, like, be silly and um, play with femininity at home. Um, and then as I like, got older and was, like, going to school and things, I it was, like, policed a little more heavily. Um, endings were... Um, not as able to um, be comfortable where um, theater and performing actually became like a safe haven where I could um, go and be able to put on things for certain reasons and to be able to wear makeup on stage and all of those things. Um, It's also like a, my mother and I have a good relationship now, but um, most Teenagers don't have great relationships with their parents, let alone trans ones, um, when growing up in a home that doesn't understand what you are. Um, but my mother also came home one day when I was in high school with an Amy Winehouse wig and was like, you're going to be Amy Winehouse for Halloween. Like, I didn't ask her that. She came home with the wig and was like, you're going to be Amy Winehouse. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. <laughs> like, no, if I, I do. <laughs> right, and then she was like, "We'll just get you like jeans and a tank top and whatever." And I was like, "Oh no, I'm going as Amy Winehouse at an awards ceremony, <laughs> so I need a dress and heels." And I was like, trying to like, like she gave an inch, I took yeah. a mile. <laughs>
3: You're like, let's um, make
0: something clear, mother. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, we're going to Forever Twenty One and getting me a cute dress. <laughs> we're getting fishnets. nets. Um, and we did go, like, the whole nine yards with it. Um, do you have photos of
2: this, by the way? Oh, I do. <laughs> I think we might have to put that in a slideshow on the podcast Instagram. <laughs> um,
0: I I can, I can provide those for you. It's beautiful. Like, um, it's also funny because that was, like, my junior year of high school. And um, at the time, I was fine with being called a boy or, like, I just, like, didn't know that that, there was another option, Um, and I didn't know that there was... I mean, I knew there was, like, something else going on with Mm me, Um, but in that year, I um, then also claimed the label of gay um, because I knew I was attracted to men. Um, And so it's really funny to me that my last Halloween thinking I was a cishet boy, I was Amy Winehouse. <laughs> and then the next Halloween when I thought I was a gay man, I was Batman. <laughs> wow. So like gender really never made sense for me. Right? And, like, everything was kind of all over the board from an early age. Um, but yeah, that's, a general overview of childhood from me.
2: I'm curious, maybe, did your brothers already come out as gay before you?
0: Um, so, one of them had. Okay. Um, I, I'm the youngest, so, like, the one right above me had come out two years before um, I thought I was gay. Um, it's funny, because I actually called him to tell him I was gay, And it was, like, the two-year anniversary of him saying it. Mm. We came out, like, on the same day of the same year of high school.
1: Oh, my god! Um, Wow.
0: Which is ridiculous. Um, My other brother, who's the oldest one, he found out a little, like, later. Or at least, like, was telling people a little later. I don't actually know how it manifested for him. Um, But he told me he was gay. And I said, hey, me too um so like that was a very different experience (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but he's also like six years older than me so we weren't like very close in those conversations yeah
1: i'm i'm curious when it was because obviously we're having now this conversation where um you know we're saying oh uh even even like you becca let alone how you both felt didn't necessarily even know like what what is transgender and and, and that that was a conversation. When did you come face to face with finding out about like the maybe or like your first experience when all of a sudden you're like oh hold on a second transgender and everything's starting to now
2: come together. Yeah, like I had only ever heard God. the term transvestite. Like that mm-hmm. was the only thing that I had heard. Like in culture at all. Mm-hmm. Um much less the difference between sex and gender and so on and so forth. My um
3: my experience is odd because I after um having like socially transitioned as non-binary for like 3 years, mm. I looked back on a moment I had in high school um and only then had just realized, oh that was me figuring out I was trans. Mm because I repressed it so much, because it was, like, not a great experience. Um, I was 15, Um, I think. Yeah. So this was, like, 2010. And I was watching Degrassi. And there's a character named Adam, who is a trans guy. um, And he's, like, stealth for a little while. um, And then there's, like, an episode all about him. And this episode... I don't remember what it's called. I'll have to, like, look it up and text you. Um, I'm getting all shaky talking about it. It's Mm because every time we talk about it, it is a a lot to, Mm -hmm. like, revisit. Um, I just always thought, like, I I, I never knew anything. I was like, I'm a girl. I'm comfortable with that because I was just, I was like, well, I'm just, like, weird, you know? Like, I'm just a weirdo. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was always my identity. Girl was, like, always just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's what I am, I guess. So, um, seeing Adam on Degrassi was a huge moment for me but also so scary um, because th- his whole episode was like every th- trans trope you can imagine so like somebody finds out that he's uh, he identifies as trans and he's actually you know and he's AFAB and uh, he starts getting like harassed at school like s- severely And he goes home, and his family doesn't really get it. He's like binding with an ace bandage. He's looking at himself in the mirror, you know, that whole like trans people looking at themselves in the mirror, at their bodies, (laughs) like hating themselves, Mm. like all of that. And like, then even in still in the same episode, he like goes to visit his grandma, and his parents are like maybe dressed as a girl. And so he has to dress as a girl, and then he tries to go to school as a girl. And then like, it's this whole big deal. Um, And so this was my first experience with, with knowing what trans is wow. and with all of that in one episode you can imagine how confusing that is mm. when it's your first time like having exposure to that so I remember sitting watch- after watching that episode and being like well I've always been a tr- I've always been a tomboy am I actually a boy but then what does that mean am I a defective boy in a girl's body like what is this Uh, I don't like it Um, and it was just because there was a lack of vocabulary there was a lack of of empathy um, towards Adam in that episode and like there was just a lack of care and it was all just like Adam dealing with it on his own and then on top of it he he was nude at that school because he came out as trans and so then I'm like do I have to switch schools if I if I start you know, presenting as a boy and it was like a two, two full days of just like panic and anxiety. And I am such an artist and also, you know, Enneagram three that like it has to be this whole dramatic thing I like drew I like drew an outline of a girl with pink and like inside like drew like triangles with like boys colors and I was like oh my god (laughs) this can't be me (laughs) it's obnoxious and I remember um being in the car with my mom like during those two days and being like uh I think I'm a boy and like sobbing about it because like no just like there was nothing for me to like help me understand what this meant Mm -hmm. like nothing and um and I'm like if I do this like I'm gonna get like harassed in the bathroom by a bunch of boys like what you know that's like what I was shown and I remember my mom said you know of course my mom doesn't have any vocabulary to explain this and she just tried her best she was like well do you like girls? And I was like, no. And that's like a whole other thing. Cause then, you know, I go to college and I figure out and buy and like all this stuff. So, like, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Not at that time, but like I didn't know. So I was like, no, God, no. And that was like the worst thing ever. Cause I had also, like, in, in middle school been called a lesbian. I was mm-hmm. like, an in insult by another lesbian though. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> like the worst thing you could be called. <laughs> It's like I don't like women. I am a woman. (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) So that was my first experience. But like in it, in with how dramatic it was, and like how, um, you know, dramatic for me and intense and upsetting it was. Mm -hmm. It's so just. It's just so surprising that I repressed it because I've always been really empathetic. Like I'm an empath, and so I struggled. A, a long time in my childhood with like assimilating into like characters I saw. So like feeling like I am them because I just feel for them so much. And so that's what I chalked it up to. I was mm. like, no, no, no. I'm just really, I'm like, I'm just assimilating. I think I am this, I am think I right. think I am Adam. Right. I'm not Adam. I'm me. So just chill out. And I like put it away. Mm. And so, and then like, I was, I was in 2015 that I started um, exploring my gender identity. And so three years after that, uh, 2015, 16, 17, 17. I guess 2014 to 2017. Um, so 2017 is when I looked back on 2010 and realized, whoa, how did I never realize after all these years that that was me figuring out I was trans? Mm. And then I, and then I kind of had, it's this, you know, sadness for who I could have been if I had had the, if I had had proper representation shown to me at that time, if Adam had maybe been portrayed as this person that everybody like understood and like wanted to understand Hmm. and didn't like just cast him aside as this like monster, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I wonder who I would have been if I saw somebody like the character I played on rise. And that's why representation is so important to me. Um, And it's so funny because when I wrote about that paper, maybe it was about trans representation in film, TV, and theater. And at that point that I was writing it, I still hadn't made the connection. Hmm. And like representation of trans people, it was just so like there for me subconsciously. You know, it was so important to me subconsciously that I got into it before I had even realized it had directly affected me That's back in the so high interesting. School. It's real it's So really you were just odd like, odd Oh, story. this is like something I'm just interested in. This is just like because yeah, 'cause I'm obsession. like, well, I'm a trans well, I'm a trans actor and like I wanna do this. So like and now I'm really passionate about like what that's going to be like for me when I do make it into the industry. So like, that's kind of how it became a thing for me, mm. but I didn't realize it had so directly affected me mm. as a 15 year old. And so, yeah, I, I wonder like who I would have been. And I, I wrote a little like poem I posted like forever ago for trans day of visibility about, you know, that person, like who, who I might've been. Mm. And, um, and I wish I could talk to that person mm. in those two days of trauma and just say, like, like, you figure it out. You figure it out. So, like, just let the timeline be what it is. Mm. Yeah. And then otherwise, I figured out my gender identity through Tumblr. Very boring story. And <laughs> <laughs> when I actually figured out I was non-binary, <laughs> it was because of Tumblr. And um, actually Tumblr. my partner. Actually meeting Ren, um, my partner and I are both trans and afab and uh we were like lesbians <laughs> when we started dating <laughs> it's so weird to think about um and Ren had always um wren ha- knew more than me about trans identities and so Ren was sort of the my first like real look into like discovering who i was and so um i feel so lucky that i had Ren. And that I, that we had each other because we were both figuring out our identities at the same time. Mm. And so like when we wanted to try a different pronoun and see how it works, it'd be like, Hey, can you like call me your boyfriend today? It's like, mm. you know, so I, I do feel really grateful and I'm grateful for Tumblr. I'm grateful for all the trans people on Tumblr because, and I'm grateful for Ren because everybody, everybody involved in that helped me figure out who it was. Yeah. I just not went. Adam from Degrassi <laughs> <laughs> poor Adam <laughs> well and he was played by a cis, cis yeah, actress, I was gonna so, say like, I'm sure that
2: <laughs>
1: the the actor we don't have played to be was, bad was for
3: Adam. oh how interesting <laughs> except for they did kill him off when they didn't know what to do with him. So.
2: Oh, dear. Oh, good Lord.
1: Just
3: like a random car accident it had nothing to do with being trans. They were just like, well, we don't really have any other <laughs> trans storyline for you, so let's just kill you. Oh, <laughs> oh in two, horrible. In
2: 2005, I don't remember there being literally any trans, maybe at least, maybe not in the TV shows I was allowed to watch, uh, or 2010. I don't remember there being any trans people on TV at all. They
3: said transgender once. Wow. In that whole episode.
2: Mm-hmm. How
3: fascinating. Yeah. Oh, I also
2: just wanted to make a note for our listeners. Um, AFAB uh, is assigned female at birth, just in case
3: anyone didn't know. And same same principles with AMAP. Which is all I
2: can think of when people say ACAB. I always just think assigned cop <laughs> at
3: birth. <That's> my <laughs>
2: My sister said Which that. nobody is. My sister <laughs> <Which> said that.
0: <laughs> and that's all I can think of now. <laughs> I like to take it the other way, actually, and make AMAB all men are bastards. So. <laughs> oh, got
2: it. I like that. <laughs> I love. All right,
1: maybe. But that might be
0: my own personal <laughs> trauma. Um, um, it's actually really... Interesting and funny hearing Ellie talk because um, my experience is so strikingly similar, Mm. actually, um, but obviously very different um, for different reasons. Where um, a lot of trans representation on TV for trans women and femmes is the butt of a joke. We're punchlines or we're... Rocky Horror, Transvestites, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, the, whereas, whereas, trans
3: characters are like just all about being sad all the time and being like depressed
0: and like (laughs) alone in your room, finding your chest. Oh my
1: god.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, where, um, like, as a kid, I grew up watching Friends and Chandler's dad, played by Kathleen Turner. (laughs) Ellie is having. Oh my god! Response to um was kind is my first memory of like seeing a trans woman on TV, um, and being a person, being a little girl who like didn't understand that I was a little girl, Mm -hmm. um, seeing something that felt familiar and something that felt like me being like mocked and paraded as this joke and this thing to be demeaned um does a lot on a person um and like at the time I wasn't like cognizant of it but it was a thing of like having that like ring of keys moment that like I know you you're something like me moment um and then internalizing all of the things that are said about that character and like all of the ways that she's handled um and realizing that those things will be said about you um, and those things are going to be your life if you continue down this road or continue with these thoughts. Um, and so that's, like, a lot of my childhood was like, oh, I'm not like that, though. Like, I'm I'm something different. Um, and there's a mentality I hear a lot of um, trans feminine folks specifically talking of, like, having to like separate ourselves from certain versions of representation in a way of like I'm better than that Mm. um which is like a survival skill and a survival tactic to be like I want to have a full life like I want to be able to like have a job and a career and all of those things um and so like at the time I wasn't really thinking about like my gender necessarily but like Mm, I was. I just, I like, didn't have the verbiage for it, um, because nobody was actually, like, showing me people like me, um, because, actually, the fact that Friends had a cis woman playing a trans woman is actually kind of revolutionary mm. for the time, um, but other than that, like, it was always cis men playing us, or if, like, Alexandra Billings was on Grey's Anatomy that I also watched when I was younger, but, like, her arc was, like, terribly transphobic and they were using a lot of outdated language and, like, all of those things. Um, Where it took until... I was in college, my, like, freshman year of college. I don't actually know what made me say it or do it. Um, but I started thinking about gender a lot more. I was... Um, at that point, I was, like, pursuing being a director, um, not an actor. Um, and I think that's largely linked to me wanting to play the women protagonists in shows, and I figured I could get further into their brain space if I could just direct the mm. women who were playing the roles. <laughs> um, I also was like a good director, but other than that, um,
2: <laughs> it was incredible.
1: Let's, let's,
0: let's go one thing straight. Let's go one thing straight. <laughs> of course. Um, but I don't really know how it came up in me, but I started wearing makeup regularly and like playing around with, um, I mean, Kendall I would Floyd. like wear like I eyeliner first, out sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I would like stay up at night and do a full face of makeup and I would like practice because I knew if I was going to do it, it had to look perfect, but then I would like cry it all off and go to bed. Um, And I was dating a man at the time that I, my freshman year of college um, told him that I was a girl. Um, And I had like a name picked out and everything at the time. Um, And he essentially was like, no. And I was like, okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) because if, like, rom-coms have taught me anything, that it's that my boyfriend knows me better than I know myself, and if he says that I'm not a girl, he's probably right. (laughs) Um, and that was largely rooted in him, like, I was his first boyfriend, um, and he had just started, like, realizing he was gay, and so then for his partner to not be a man was confusing and off-putting. Right. Um... And, like, we've talked about it since, and um, he's apologized and has, like, actually does a lot of work um, for trans and non-binary folks now. But at the time, I was like, no, 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 you're, you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> Silly me. Who did I think I was? Um, and I sat on it for about a year. But it's also that I didn't understand that I could be anything other than a boy or a girl, Um, and so when I told him I was a girl, that wasn't the whole answer. It was similar to when I thought I was gay. Like those were all like trial and error of me trying to find the right language for myself. Um, and so as soon as it left my mouth, it didn't actually feel right. And it like, didn't, Hmm. it wasn't the whole answer at least. And so it was easier for him to say no and for me to believe him. Um, And then I took a class in college called, um, oh God, what was it? It wasn't psychological. It was, um, oh God, what's the other (laughs) philosophical, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) philosophical (laughs) issues of race and gender, um, which I didn't know was also going to be like the basis for like the work that I do now, um. But we read a Judith Butler article when we were talking about, like, gender, um, where Judith talks about the fact that gender's made up, and it's, like, all a lie. And, like, there are some men who have larger breasts than some women, and, like, there are no rules around this thing. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And then I also went down a Tumblr rabbit hole. <laughs> and I found a lot of people using a lot of different words and things. Um, and like talking about the changes over the past like 15 years. Also, the changes over the past like five to 10 years is that like this was like maybe 2011 um, where I was like finding words that we have different words for now like non-binary wasn't the word we were using at the time yes right um what was it i was finding words like i mean gender fluid um yeah um gender queer is the first word that i latched onto. which those words are still around but like gender non-conforming was kind of like the catch-all umbrella mm-hmm. that non-binary is now okay. um it's where, so like, weird now how quickly most things
2: change. It's like, I forgot that that was even, I, I do totally remember that's how people used to identify.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people still will talk about and they'll use like the um, acronym TGNC to mean trans and gender nonconforming. Hmm. Um Even though gender nonconforming most people see as like talking about expression, not about identity, where like oh, fascinating. tomboys are gender nonconforming, even if they're cis girls. Ah. um where um yeah like just like the ways language has shifted over Mm -hmm. the years um but yeah I went down that rabbit hole and then I was like oh there's other options there's like more to the story here um and kind of just started exploring and like going with it and like figuring out what that meant and what that looked like Mm -hmm. um which then also like came with like shifting pronouns and all of those things um but yeah it it is so funny ellie that like we both have like tv characters we can point to that like Mm
3: -hmm. i mean is it though because we're (laughs) actors and (laughs) we're into trans representation and like that i mean it's not i don't it's not i don't think it's a coincidence i think it's serendipitous but i don't (laughs) think it's a coincidence
0: Hmm. No, that's that's fair. Um, and I think that's why you and I do similar work around representation specifically mm-hmm. in the industry. And like, I'm building characters and arcs that I want to see on TV and that like, I want to do better mm-hmm. um, than what was given to me.
3: Yeah. I mean, even with Michael, I was like, I took that and there were, there were times in the script where I was like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna roll with me and like I'm so lucky that I had you know like Jason Kadams the showrunner he was like just into hearing what I had to say about it and like he changed stuff in the script because I said it needed to be changed Mm -hmm. and like you work from the inside to better representation that's what I always wanted like in college I was like that's what I want that's what I want Mm -hmm. and like to get that job right out of college was like a dream because I got to like actually do the work and like you don't have to take a character that you know is going to deal with transphobia and deal with it in the same way you've seen before. Like as my character dealt with some transphobia with some football players, I was like, okay, so if this is going to inevitably have to happen for Michael, just because we have to talk about how he's trans all the time, like, let me not do it the way everyone else has done it, which is like, get beaten down, you know, turn away, flee from the situation. Like Michael was just like, wow, these guys are ignorant. Let's leave because I don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And like, just because you have that script that says this is what your character is dealing with, you can spin it some other way that that makes it different than what you've seen it, which hmm. is what's so important to both of us.
1: Yeah, it's. I remember, um, so Ellie recently sent me uh, a link and was like, you need to watch Disclosure, which came out. Um, numerous months ago and um, broads I'll put a link to it here it's on Netflix you can watch it very easily and I was must watch it must watch it absolutely (laughs) yeah and um after I watched that it was so it just like hit me in that in the in the gut in a different way because for instance let's talk body image this is obviously a conversation that is um uh, popular right now. People are now having uh, movements where they're able to talk about it, which is great, and how there's been a lack of uh, body representation. and But you have, you know, a lot of like cis, white, heterosexual women feeling like, I don't feel beautiful in my body because there's only a certain type of body that's represented. And now that's this big movement, which is important. But when I was watching Disclosure... All I could think about were those moments where I had, you know, seen article or seen um, uh, uh, magazines or um, watched things that made me feel like, oh, I had to have a certain type of figure or whatever. And all I could think about was, oh, my God, how many movies and TV shows have I watched over the years where the only representation in the transgender community was like you were saying, maybe. Either being made fun of, or like I have to hate my body, or it's the the butt of a joke, or like what you were saying, Ellie, where it's someone who's beaten down. It's a violent scene. It's something so terrible. And as much as you know, we want to act like, oh, it's television. It's the media. You know, turn it off. That's just just what you're ingesting constantly. And just to talk to both of you and hear that was your window into having a conversation about being transgender and that's all
2: you saw not to mm-hmm. mention everyone else who cisgender people watching it the the what they're being se- seen portrayed as violence against transgender people yeah. and there's actually a study that I was reading recently like about child psychology and uh, the specific parenting method talks about really like sheltering your children from what they watch in the first 10 years because there was a study showing that on Clifford, Uh, They had a dog that had three legs and throughout the episode, the everyone was like excluding the dog with three legs and was being unkind to the dog with three legs. And at the end, they realized that, like, no, the right thing to do is like accept this dog that's not like us. But children after watching that episode only modeled the exclusionary behavior. Mm. It was almost like we as adults thought would, that we needed to show that arc, but children didn't already know to exclude the dog that didn't look like them or the disabled dog. And so the children started modeling that violent behavior after, not the inclusionary message that we as adults were trying to feed to them. And um, and I think that perfectly illustrates what we were just talking about of how cisgender people then are being fed um, yeah, images of violence against transgender people or exclusion or whatever that may be. And then that's what we're internalizing. just makes and it then, worse.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what disclosure emphasizes is that it's societal conditioning mm-hmm. because society sees trans people as wrong. And so we are going to condition society to continue to, to think that so that trans people are constantly excluded. That's like the whole thing. It's like, it's almost, it, it's almost on purpose, the, the representation that trans that, that, uh, the industries put trans people in. It's almost as if, well, not as if it's, it's basically the industry saying, we want to keep pushing this narrative because that's what society says about trans people.
2: Do either of you have any theories you might want to share on like, why do people feel, I've, I've noticed on the internet that people seem to feel, like their personal identity somehow as cisgender people are challenged like personally almost by the inclusion of transgender people. And and I am always curious as to why people have such dramatic reactions, quite frankly, to seeing to trans
3: representation. I'm going to let maybe take it first because my Sphinx cat wants to be under a blanket. <laughs> so give me a just give me a minute.
0: I also <laughs> ahead, want baby. to be put under a blanket. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm like, excuse um, me, Ellie. Can you help us all out here? I like, yeah,
0: also
2: infant. like Ellie. How you're like? I just thought I was a weirdo, and then you're like, I've got to go put my, I've <laughs> got this is, is my this cat, cat
3: under a blanket. <laughs> this is Ren's cat. This is Ren's cat. She's a she's. It's like I I. see so Becca, you actually have babies at 25. I didn't expect to have babies at 25, and that's what's happening here. She's a baby. Okay, I'll be right back, but maybe go ahead.
0: Incredible.
3: Um,
0: what am I answering? Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about Sphinx cats now.
2: No, I was just saying, like, I, do you have any theories on why people se- right. almost feel like their identity? I mean, that's how I'm interpreting it. Like, people seem as if their identities are personally being challenged by trans representation. And wh- why are these reactions so dramatic by people who are supposedly cisgender
0: the answer is privilege Mm -hmm. um and the we see the same thing from anybody who holds a level of privilege over another group Mm -hmm. Um, we see the same thing from white people who fight against black lives matter we see the same thing from able-bodied folks who don't understand why we need accessibility in Mm -hmm. spaces Um, We see the same thing all the the time from people who um, have been told over and over again by the world that they're special and they're better than other people. Um, And then when those other people get a little recognition um, and or get like a semblance of equity, (laughs) like not even achieving equity, but like a semblance of like a piece of the conversation, it's a threat on that person's privilege. Um, and so cisgender people, I say it all the time that, like, my gender identity is not a comment on yours in the same way that yours should not be a comment on mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, like, adhering to the binary or, like, conforming to what your gender is supposed to look like by societal standards isn't transphobic, you know, (laughs) like being cis doesn't mean that you're against trans people. It just means that you're cis. You know, like, nobody's... Well, maybe not nobody, because some people are. But, like, I'm not trying to take your gender away from you. I'm just trying to take gendered expectations away from everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Where, like, if you tell me that you're a woman and you're comfortable with that and you're happy presenting femme and all of those things, great for you. I just want that same option you know i just want the same ability to do that no matter how my body might look to you or what you might think science is um and i say that because most people on that side of the argument don't actually know what science is Um, but it's a thing that it's i find it a lot and it comes from privilege where people have a need to feel special and as soon as they're not the center of the narrative they see it as an option to write their own sob stories and to feign oppression because they haven't experienced it um and there tends to be and obviously there's like intersecting um privileges and there's like Just because you're cisgender doesn't mean you have, like... On holiday, there's nothing like doing nothing. As an Expedia
3: member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight, so you can go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing for less. Expedia.
2: Made to travel.
0: All the privilege in the world, because you could be a person of colour, you could have a disability, all of those things. Um, But latching on to, like, certain versions of privileges that people have... um, then it becomes harder for people to like let go of those privileges or like let go of their place as like the majority or like the most important person in the room and things like that.
3: Yeah. I I always think it comes down to a lack of empathy for for trans people and that is perpetuated by the media. So so many times you see a trans character the first thing you witness from them is struggle. And a great opposite example of that is my character, which I always go back to. I'm proud of the work. So, my character was not introduced with struggle. My character was introduced with um, acceptance. I mean, and, and and excitement and happiness because he comes out in the first episode, and everyone's like, "Great, cool!" Like, congrats on your part in the play. Like, and that's how it <laughs> goes. And then so. The first few episodes, even, you see Michael hitting some really positive um, steps in his social transition, starting to change in the boys' dressing room is like a huge moment. And every every guy in the room is like, yeah, sure, no problem. And it's just like, you could see that it was a much more nerve wracking deal for Michael. But then, you know, once he actually makes that step, it's like, oh, all along, it could have just been that easy. And so because Michael was introduced so positively, when he does, when you do get to the, to the parts where he deals with transphobic peers, everybody watching Michael already loves Michael. And is like, no, actually now I see that that's not okay because I like this person. Mm-hmm. And so once you have developed empathy for the trans character, you also end up develop, developing empathy for trans people out in the regular world
2: one of the first examples that i remember which was in college when i was first uh just even learning about trans identity i orange is the new black was really popular and that was the first time where i really understood watching the show i remember um i can't remember what the character's name is but i i remember cox yes sophia sophia i remember sophia's um whatever was happening. On, first of all, just the fact that Sophia was even in the women's prison. I was and like, and had a job. In yes. The women's prison. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was like, Oh, uh, immediately as the viewer, you just accept this person's identity because of their place in, you know, wh- where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you
3: start it with empathy.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and just automatic acceptance where as the viewer, you're just like, Oh, this person is a woman because they're in a woman's prison, which is really mm-hmm. big, I think in and of itself. And then, uh, yeah, watching things like Sophia's access to hormone therapy being threatened and all these sort of things that you might write off as just being like a very small minority of the population that might be like insignificant to take action for. Then you're watching the show and you you really experience like compassion for this person and you care about what happens to them in a way that I had certainly never seen before. And, yeah, really and I think it's stuck in my head.
3: It it does. And I think that empathy and privilege uh, go together because to recognize your privilege, you have to first um, experience empathy for other people. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to recognize your privilege and you're not going to be able to understand why do trans people, why do we have to see you? You're not going to be able to understand why you have to see us until you understand who we are and that we're people and until you figure out that you like can have a conversation with us and maybe be friends with us. And like, you know, it's just, it, it's, that's where it all comes down to.
2: Mm-hmm. Can we talk yeah. a little bit about, we touched on it a minute ago about how um, terms have changed and how language has shifted so much within the past 10 years. Can we talk a little bit about like the power of language and why, as a culture right now, we're talking so much about pronouns and why, why is that so important? And also, why is the misuse, the deliberate misuse of pronouns so violent? And then also, maybe how practically people can handle misusing pronouns when they encounter people, maybe asking for, what, what is maybe like etiquette? Can we just go over all of that sort of thing? Maybe first starting with, why language matters
3: yeah um i've always said that um there you see a lot of people that are like well why do we have to care about labels why do we have to care about that you don't have to care about that i care about it so there's that whole thing where it's like it depends on the person whether they they care about labels they care about you know they care about um language Um, which by
2: the way almost everyone does if someone who is cis is called the wrong pronoun Almost every person, almost every person is like,
3: um, that's exactly. No, my dog is a boy. No, my dog's not a girl. Like, yeah, and the same people are saying, yeah, but don't label me. Don't label me
2: that.
1: Oh no, the amount. It's the amount. But being mothers. The amount of like mothers you see when all of a sudden someone will come up and call your, you know, I'm gonna we'll put quotes around this, your baby girl, a boy or whatever, and you see these mothers just
3: be like, it's a boy, It's <laughs> just
1: like all right. I think honey. you guys
3: talked about that one time, and I was like, yes, they yes. are inf- infuriated.
1: It's like they, all right, yes, yeah, yes, please. they all
2: just look like bald old people. Like, don't get so flustered. <laughs> right, it's not that it's not that deep, but yeah, no one really <laughs> likes usually being called the wrong gender. If I was to say, oh sir, can I get your bag? You would probably be like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would. <laughs> and most
3: people are. So I think that's bullshit, first of all. But anyway, sorry. Continue. Please. No, yeah, it's fine. I but I I think my whole stance is um language is a tool. Pronouns, terms, it's all a tool. It's just it's just words to help you understand and explain how you Experience the world and experience mm. life and experience your presence in it. It's literally it like that's where it comes just down to that. That's why I always try to tell people if anyone's like having a fight uh, like in a comment section, I'm like, listen, it's it's all just a tool. We just have these tools. It's all made up, but it's important, especially if it's important to you. It's an important tool to you. It's an important tool for me. Of I mean, of course. So yeah, that's where I, that's that's my stance on it.
0: I agree in a lot of ways um that yeah language is (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) that was a rough segue on (laughs) my mode but language is the way that we interpret the world around us um and like language words are all words are made up that's like what words are like that's (laughs) how words are created is like somebody sees a thing and like needs to name the phenomenon that's just you know like words were made up just because we were born after words were made up doesn't mean those words weren't once made up um and like you didn't get your pronouns off like the organic pronoun tree and mine are synthetic like (laughs) all of these words are made up your gmo Um, (laughs) right like um where it's a thing that I talk about a lot with like labels and like the different words people use for their gender identity and like all of the words that fall under this non-binary umbrella and stuff. It can be really hard for people to understand the importance of words when they're not constantly being used against you. Um, And so like you're saying, like if you were to call each other, sir, like it would like probably be like annoying and people like get offended by that. Um, But if you're a cisgender person, you don't understand the difference of what happens when a trans person is misgendered, Mm -hmm. and when those words are being constantly weaponized against a human. Um, And so when we're talking about these labels, and we're talking about the ways that we talk about other people, it's more than just respecting a person, it's more than just affirming that person, but it's actually shaping your brain to see the person in the way they want to be seen. Um, And it's shaping your brain to understand the concepts that are in front of you. Um, I liken it to when I found language around, um, and this might seem like a detour and a weird example, but um, when I first found the phrase of people experiencing homelessness, instead of um, talking about people as being homeless, um, but seeing it and like shaping it and phrasing it in a way of like, this is a thing this person is experiencing in this moment. And it is a thing that like we can help them move out of, or like it can be a thing that is temporary, but it, it's a thing that is happening to this person in this moment. Um, and it was a way for me to shape my brain into empathy and into like realizing that that's a person who's going through a thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same thing applies when we use certain labels for people in terms of gender, um, It's a way to shape your brain around seeing the person in front of you in the best way you can. Mm. Um, And I talk about the ways that I use different words. I also will use different words for myself in different contexts um, and depending on what company I'm holding. Um, And if I'm being misgendered a whole lot, I'm going to start having... People use she, her pronouns in front of Mm -hmm. me and start calling me a woman just to get away from man. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I use words sometimes to my advantage in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And because if we didn't have these words, if we didn't have these labels, like, yeah, it would be great if I could just be a person and go down the street and, like, go through my life and just be a human. That's cool if we could all do that thing. However the way our world is currently set up if I walk down the street and I go to work and all of those things and I try to just be a person because of the society constraints that we have that person is going to be assumed to be a man and that's not a comfortable place for me to navigate the conversation from I need these words in order to tell people who I am Mm -hmm. and to be seen in order for me to live safely and comfortably
3: yeah Yeah. A huge reason I got top surgery was because I know when I walk around the world, I am presumed female. I'm presumed a girl. And I felt like, okay, I can deal with, I can deal with it because I'm going to have to, because like, it doesn't really seem to be changing at some point. I mean, like I, I sit and I, and I, I'm an activist and I, and I work towards that to make a change hopefully, but I'm only one person. So like, I know the world's not there yet. And one thing that I could do for myself was get top surgery because I knew even if I was presumed female, even if somebody calls me she or ma'am or miss, they can't take this away from me. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing with pronouns when I was first like socially transitioning where I said he or they, um, they preferably, but he is fine too. Just not she.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Like he was not anything I really identified with, but if you're if you're going to have a hard time with they, then at least call me he. Mm. Because anything to get away from from she, her pronouns. I
2: right. would love to talk a little bit about that also, though, when you're talking about having top surgery. Uh, it's a question. I think people are a little better than asking a person directly. But if I'm talking about someone who is trans, uh, a lot of the questions can be like, so like fully trans? Like, mm. so... <laughs>
3: maybe just fell out of the yeah. frame <laughs> so
2: like they had like surgery and like everything um yeah
3: did you fully transition mm-hmm. are you done with your transition mm-hmm. yeah
1: <laughs> that I was something rolled. in I disclosure that i then kept getting hit by too and like the representation on television was always um in in the old like the shows like the Maury and the Sally's and all the talk shows where it was always just like, well, what's going on? Like, and it was always these inappropriate questions. What's happening? And yeah, exactly, exactly. And that was what what the viewer was seeing, that it always just Mm -hmm. came back to that.
2: Well, yeah, Um, the idea that your genitals confirm your identity and that's just the way it is. And if the mm -hmm. parts don't match your identity, supposedly then you're not then you're 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 faking it or something yeah
3: it's a whole other thing because like there you have you know so i'm non-binary um i identify as trans masculine because feel like I, i'm mostly agender i feel like i don't really have a gender but i do i identify with both masculinity and femininity but i just consider them energies mm-hmm. they're not like They're not an identity, Um, but mostly I just like want to feel like a pretty boy. Like that's my whole deal. And like Mm -hmm. my partner Ren is sort of on the same realm of that, but Ren um, decided to go on testosterone. And so, and I didn't. And so there's like that difference where we're like both sort of, Ren's also agender. We are both sort of in the same kind of like um, flow but we experience gender very differently. Um, But like I, as, as a non-binary person, as a transmasculine person, I don't, have any need or want to go on testosterone because I don't want to have facial hair because that just does not align with me mm-hmm. the thought of it I, it makes me dysphoric um but and top surgery was a really difficult f- decision for me because it came with a lot of like um nobody tells you like in your early 20s that you're that like you're going to go through a second like female um puberty where you're um, your fat redistributes in places, and you get you become like kind of like a um, a birthing vessel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I gained weight in in places I didn't care for, and I always thought you know my my sister and my mom have bigger chests, but I never did. And I was like, oh cool, I'm not going to have that. And then I started having that, and so that's where my dysphoria started with my with my chest. I didn't have it previously because I felt comfortable comfortable in my body, and so it's a whole thing of like. Um, dysmorphia and dysphoria and can they coexist and they absolutely can. And it took me until after I got surgery to realize they were always related. And so it doesn't, it dysphoria and, um, and feeling uh, and and transition um, options. It's all, it's, it's all specific to the person. Um, It doesn't matter. Like, and I, I wanted to do this. um, If we had gotten a season two of rise, I I wanted um, Michael to go through this, kind of um journey of, of figuring out if he wanted to go on tea but he's a singer mm. and so hmm. um and he and he always liked his voice but he sort of felt this pressure from like like well everybody every other trans mask and mm-hmm. trans guy is going on tea so i like shouldn't i and so and i uh, inevitably as i'm not going on tea i was like well we kind of have to face that at some point (laughs) in michael's storyline um that i'm not going to go on t and so michael then is not going to go on t and we're not going to fabricate it because we've seen that happen in film and tv and it's awful (laughs) um so yeah i mean and and for michael you know whatever pros and cons like he would have weighed with himself on like what he wanted to change and what he didn't want to change like considering his voice and maybe other things you know inevitably he was not going to go on t And so it's just everybody's choice. And I know a trans guy who is a musician and he is, let's say, quote unquote, fully transitioned because he is socially transitioned. He is a guy and he doesn't want to go on testosterone because he doesn't want to affect his voice, but he's still a trans guy. Like Mm -hmm. he's a trans guy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Hormones, like physical transitions, a whole other thing. Like social transition is also a whole other thing. So.
2: Also people always bring up like in in the comment section of course this is, when I'm quoting any of this it's always from the comments oh, yeah. section <laughs> of course um, <laughs> the peanut gallery they always want to bring up you can say whatever you are but like in the end biology blah 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 um it's just like i get it i do get it like 10 years ago i would have said the same thing like i would have i totally would have and it's ignorance and unfortunately what a lot of people don't know is that even if we're talking about basic biology somewhere around one to one thousand to one to two thousand uh babies are born intersex meaning that there's no distinguishable sex so Uh If we're, which baby, unfortunately,
3: baby is prepared, I think with yeah. like, a bunch of sources right now, she, she, they're ready. Which
2: unfortunately <laughs> is it, it's what's even more sad is that the usually the automatic uh, medical response and response from the parents is well, let's sort that out. Which one? Which is you know we got to we got to distinguish. We got to find one, and that means that there's non consensual like surgeries and stuff that can take place. Talk about bodily trauma. Um, from birth but I mean if that's something that people don't even talk about is that there's a whole Mm -hmm. section a pretty large section relatively speaking of our society that does not have a biologically determined sex
0: so yeah that's um Ellie is right I do have (laughs) a soapbox have you seen seen their Instagram I mean
3: like (laughs) full of sources so many sources
0: it's fantastic um It's funny when I like, um, teach these things. And when I do trainings around this, um, a question we often ask the participants when talking about biological sex is how many biological sexes do you think there are? Um, and a lot of folks who know about intersex people might say three. Um, and, um, but a lot of people say two, um, where, there's an estimated 29 different sex categories that folks can fall into based on the umbrella of what intersex can look like. Mm. Um, And so there's a myriad of different ways that people are born. um, But historically, intersex has been thought to be like a dysfunction or like a problem that needs to be fixed and there are air quotes around all of these words as I'm saying that if you don't see them. Um, um, and so the thing is, you're saying that it is like a decent amount of people who are born intersex. But I actually think the numbers we have around it are incredibly low. Hmm. Because when we're talking about biological sex, we're not just talking about the ways a person's genitals look. We're talking about the combination of genitals, primary hormones in the body, and chromosomes. Mm-hmm. And we're not testing kids' chromosomes mm, when sure. they're born. Like, n- nobody's really testing chromosomes unless there's, like, another thing going on with the body and we need to figure right. something out because of it, you know? Right. Um, and that's a thing where intersex is so underexplored and underdeveloped because a lot of times when these non-consensual surgeries are happening on kids, they then don't even know that they happened. So a lot of People grow up not knowing that they are intersex because their parents internalized shame around how the doctors dealt with it and never told their kids about the surgeries. Um, or it was their intersex, but it's something about like the hormone distribution in their body or their chromosomes that we don't test unless there's a certain reason to do that. And so a lot of people go around not knowing that they're intersex. I actually low key think that I'm intersex, and I haven't gone to see an endocrinologist yet. I've been putting it off for like
3: maybe you're fully making me feel years. Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that's again, yeah. You, know, that's the thing that you calls never after know about this is done. chromosomes. You never know about you yeah. know, hormone levels. Yeah. I mean, like, and hormone levels change all the time. So, like, what is
0: what is sex right. even? Right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Um, but <laughs> it's a thing that a lot of people are pushing to have like the same conversation with sex that we're having with gender, mm. um, because it's a thing that comes up a lot when we're talking about trans identities because a lot of times people find out they're intersex when they start medically transitioning wow. because they meet with an endocrinologist and then they learn things about hormones in their mm-hmm. bodies
1: mm-hmm. i actually um, had a friend who and- had this similar like he uh, it was a family friend and um he was probably in his 50s and um was always feeling like very like, this is not, I'm not in like my correct body, like just shame struggle living like in the church. So there was way more shame attached, ended up going, having to go to an endocrinologist for something else, saw the hormone, the chromosome levels. It fully confirmed wow mm. that this person who had female genitalia, No those chromosomes that, that told different. Wow. And then ended up finding That's out so affirming and then f- ended up finding out speaking to his parents who were very elderly that yes, indeed <sighs> there was a surgery that is. And it like ch- so affirming. And it changed. And I also ch- it changed. It changed his life. Everything, yeah. everything. And yeah. like,
0: the I also want to make possible. a note for folks listening that like, that is an amazing chilling story. That is very affirming. Um, but also, I don't want to get lost in this conversation sure. that like a f- person needs one of those biological of indicators course, in right. order of to course, reclaim a course. trans identity. I'm not saying that you were saying that. I just no, no, I, know I how appreciate get you. Heard and you know, <laughs> so that sometimes. everyone's not going to go like I'm an endocrinologist, <laughs> <and, laughs> I right. so no, right. guess I'm not actually trans, right? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's a thing that I see it happen all of the time. Where in my comment section, when I'm getting heavily misgendered on a lot of my posts on social media, mm-hmm. or like even. Just like in my daily life, sometimes people will talk about my chromosomes as a way of being like, this person oh. is obviously XY. Mm-hmm. And I'm like,
3: mm-hmm. I'm like, are you? I see that so much.
0: I don't even know what kind of test goes into figuring out what my chromosomes are. Like I don't even yeah. I don't know what kind of doctor does that. Like it's I don't, such what?
3: a limited yeah. scientific understanding that right. they probably just got from high school biology. Sure. Like you cannot right. just go out and argue people's identities based on what you like learned maybe in a in a high school science class that's probably not even accurate. Right. <laughs> no. Right. no. Plus what are we going
2: by? People's facial structures to t- determine like what sex they are? Like that that in and of itself is a whole other thing which there's so many other conversations to be had for it. Like even, you know, I'm obsessed with body hair stuff. Like the idea that body hair is, or the lack thereof is somehow more feminine is, first of all, just ridiculous. Um,
3: I don't know. Really I started know. growing out my leg hair before I knew I was trans because I was mm. like,
0: no, I don't want to shave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's also a thing. It's just um, an expression. recently posted um, a great resource and article of, like, the racist history of erasing hair from a person's mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it's very centered in whiteness and, like, white womanhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ideas of many communities of color have ample amounts of body hair mm-hmm. that like culturally they wouldn't get rid of mm-hmm. and like that wasn't a thing until colonization and until like Euro- european like beauty standards became like the norm
2: oh well, yeah um, and it's so interesting that people also use um <sighs> d- y- y- like use that as an insult like in my comment section people will be like oh i are do you, i see that a lot are you a man and i'm like okay do you think you're gonna insult me by that like dude you're i I don't know it's just very interesting that people will throw that around as like that's an insult like are you a man because you have body hair like wow how disgusting that i would have identifiers of a man even though i identify as a woman like that to me is just
3: bizarre um everybody has body hair
0: yeah Mm -hmm. also yeah i'll say
3: alopecia i mean like yes
0: depending (laughs) right but like to like that that goes back to, like, that Judith Butler article I was reading, like, to say that, like, because you have body hair, you're a man Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. (laughs) It it, it is bizarre. And just, like, goes, like, that goes against biology. Like, that that goes against (laughs) the fact that, like, most humans are born well, after puberty, like, to have body hair.
1: Science tells you that you're wrong. Okay, so that's just it. Right!
2: And unfortunately, it can be so, um... These, uh, these rigid ideas of gender expression can also be traumatized for people pe- for people who are cisgender too. For people that yes! identify <clears throat> as women and or you know that are cisgender women that are then they're being erased because you know they have a lot of armpit hair or have a beard or you know or men that have or, or women that don't have breasts, you know cisgender women that don't have breasts who then feel like they have to get surgery to confirm their identity as a cisgender woman. It's craziness.
0: And that's also a thing that comes up all of the time. I know, like, specifically on the topic of like women and femmes, like a lot of people talk to me about the fact that I can't menstruate means that I'm not a woman. And I'm like, what are you saying about postmenopausal women then? Mm. Like what are you saying about women who can't menstruate? Like you hit a certain age and you have to turn in your woman card. Mm-hmm. And does that mean if you're not menstruating, you're a man? Because mm-hmm. that's just like all of this conversation is just a tool of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. being like there are certain factors that make a person not necessarily a woman, but make a person <sighs> not a man. Mm-hmm.
3: And then vice versa. Um, and it's all a system. Talking to, to- trans mass people are like, well, you have your period, right? Well, you're not a man, and you know you're not a man. You're not, but so right. you're, you're a woman because you do that like
0: right it's always to separate into categories and the binary system this like two gender system is a very easy clear-cut system and an easy way for men to hold power and only need one group of people to oppress
2: Mm. (laughs) simpler that way right (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: it's all it's all just a structure of society it really is and because Because there's non-binary people and people under the non-binary umbrella and intersex people, and we're learning all about, um, you know, intersex community. Like, we're, there are, the the society structures are breaking down and people are panicking, you know?
2: Yeah. We were just talking about this on on our uh, other episode, too. I'm reading this book right now called The Fourth Turning. It's really fucking good. But he's, (laughs) the author just talking about how in these, um, these there's the uh, I don't have to give the whole thing because I just talked about it on Tuesday. But basically, we're in a period of crisis right now, like a twenty year period between two thousand five and two thousand twenty five, according to like this cyclical uh, structure of time that some people identify time as. And the author says that in a, he wrote this in the mid nineties. In a period of crisis, it's when gender is actually at its least rigid and where it can be the most expansive. And, like, the last period of crisis was in World War II. And we saw, like, you know, women working in factories and all of that, which now, you know, feels, like, archaic as an idea of expanding gender. (laughs) But at the time, it was a big deal. And then now looking at the period of time between 2005 and 2025, it's pretty profound uh, the amount of expansion that's currently happening.
3: Yeah. Now let's get the film and TV industry on fucking board. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah.
2: Can you talk a little bit about that? About, like, what can we as cisgender people do to, like, help this expansion in representation?
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, in TV and film, you mean? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, have trans people on, in, involved in all parts of creating film and TV. Crew, writing. My God, writing. Mm. Please writing. <laughs> There's so many trans writers that need to be included more. Um, and if you're going to have trans character, definitely have at least two trans writers. Hmm. Have at least two different experiences in the mm-hmm. room. And uh, but in regular in society, normalize pronouns. Normalize asking pronouns. Normalize putting your pronouns in your bio, even if you're cis, hmm. because we all have pronouns. So we can't just assume everyone else's pronouns. And it shouldn't just be a the, you know the trans community's job to
0: normalize that.
3: Hmm. Um, anything else, maybe?
0: Call us when you don't need us. Mm. Call us in when you don't... Not only when you're telling a trans story. Mm. You should have two trans writers in the room, whether or not there's a trans character. That's true. You should be able to see trans actors for roles that don't have to talk about their gender identity. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I was doing when I decided to pursue acting full-time was I want to play like the quirky best friend on a sitcom. And I don't need her to be trans. Mm-hmm. I need her to be me, and when I play her, she will be trans. But, like, I could play a role intended for a cis girl. Mm-hmm. So long as it's not, like, in the arc that, like, she gets pregnant or anything that, like, you know. <laughs> but, like, most roles written for girls on TV, I could be playing. Mm-hmm. And, like, things might be a little different. But that's, like, a real reflection of the world we're living in. Right. You know? Um, Using us when you don't just need us. My favorite auditions to go on are the ones where I don't have to say the word trans Mm -hmm. and I don't have to say the word gender at all. Me too. Um, Getting to, like, actually be a human being and not just be a resource um, Hmm. is a thing that's not allowed for a lot of trans actors. Right? Um, I'd love to
3: get a part where I go on set and I don't have to correct the script.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's not my job. I'm there to act. (laughs) Right. And if I am, like, fixing your script for you, I have a consulting fee. Um, (laughs)
3: That's going to cost. I know. Oh, my God. I I kick myself all the time thinking about it. Yeah. Should have gotten some money for it.
0: Where, like, collaboration is a thing and, like, being able to, like, create something together is a thing but you also have to, like, acknowledge that collaboration, Mm -hmm. and if the cis actors aren't being part of collaboration on their roles in the same way, what are you doing if not just exploiting trans people? Um, But also, when you're talking about, like, what can cis people do, if you're not, like, directly in the industry, there's also ways of just, like, making sure you watch shows that have actual Mm -hmm. trans actors playing Mm -hmm. trans characters. Um, Not just because we get the residuals, (laughs) Please watch my shows. Um, (laughs) But also because like those shows will get better ratings and we'll get better numbers and we will realize the industry will realize over time that shows with trans characters gain more viewers. Um, It's a thing that I see a couple of times when there's like a one episode arc for a trans person or something. I'm like, is this a producer somewhere being like, let's see how this goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if the audience responds okay to it, then we can have like a recurring person in our next season. Yeah. And like the next show we do, we might have a series regular, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate having to like sit here and be patient and wait for those my turn or, mm-hmm. and I'm saying my turn, but I mean like my turn to like see a fully fledged trans person on screen, whether or not it's me, mm-hmm. um, but like waiting to like see our turn to be, like, not have to point to, like, Michael and, like, the girls on Pose and, like, Elliot Fletcher on um
3: Shame Shameless on the Fosters. And, mm-hmm. the
0: Fos- and, yeah, and then Tom on the Fosters, like... Th- th- P- p- like pointing to like a couple of things of trans representation and be like, okay, so like that didn't work, but like that one episode was really good, and like he said, he made this point after that terrible thing happened, and like piecing together positive representation, where like if we just have like when like MJ Rodriguez played um, Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she she just took a role that was written for a woman and then she was like i'm going to add nuance to this by being a black trans woman who plays this role mm-hmm. but then it also made so much more sense yeah. and like it's such a more interesting story mm-hmm. when told through that lens
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and this is also me not saying that like cis women need to stop acting <laughs> or like that we need to like Quit. stop having roles <laughs> it's for cis like those stories are important and the stories are real but like How many flippin' times can we watch the same stories happen with nothing new going on? Well, I mean, it's... Where, like, we stab have the cis people and just, like, have us be their friends and, like, build a group of multiple identities and have them all be humans and all be equals.
3: And not just trans-mask teenagers in the friend group let's see like trans mask adults like we can't just have brian michael on 911 and everything else he does and age kate <laughs> dylan old like in billions you know we can't just have like two you know afab trans mask ca- like adult representations like why are we always like so um like why are we always turned into children you know like what is what is that saying about about trans mask and and non-binary afab people that what does, a does that phase.
0: say what does that you say about, you're right.
3: 14. <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm like i'm like i'm like oh my god i'm so constantly worried about aging out but like uh, that's not gonna happen <laughs> 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 and like i'm so grateful to like ha- go out for these auditions where like i'm i'm going out for like teenagers mostly you know but like what does it say if like those like those i'm i don't really get not like trans roles that are adults like like pretty much all the trans or non-binary roles I get they're teenagers Mm. Hmm. what about college what about like college students too like what about that like and I have a a amazing I have like a golden uh concept for a series that surrounds a college non-binary student like I mean because I was one (laughs) (laughs) so but like what yeah what does that say and if you're not going to expand on that like why and and can we please have trans writers in the room for any, for everything, just for everything? Because especially like you said, MJ in um, Little Shop of Horrors created this whole like nuanced and, you know, complex role That's the same thing with having trans writers in the room for everything, not just for not just with having trans characters. You're going to have these people with a Mm -hmm. completely different experience, because that's the whole point of like getting a bunch of writers in a room is that you want people with different experiences. (laughs) So include trans people when you're not talking about trans people.
1: Yeah, please. We don't need. Listen, it, it just goes to show in the industry. There's a reason why. All they're doing now is remakes. It's like, we don't fucking need a remake. We need a, a new story from you different perspectives. don't want to see live
2: action lying King.
0: <laughs> oh God, and that's like, if we are doing remakes, like when I heard they were remaking Will and Grace, I was like, great. So Grace is a black lesbian. <laughs> will will be Korean. Um, Karen's an older white trans woman who came out after being rich and yeah. like getting wealth. <laughs> And Jack is like non-binary. Like I'm here for that. Yeah. Also, realistically- can we talk about? <laughs> but then the they just lady? brought back the same cast, and I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, people want to see something new, something interesting, right? Even if we're just talking about basic ratings, how like how that would get people talking.
3: I mean, mm-hmm, if right. you're just
2: if you're just someone trying to sell the show, I mean, come on, on a base I mean, level, a it's a great example idea. Of,
3: A great example of a successful show with like all kinds of of queer characters in it is sex education. Mm-hmm. And while there's it's no trans show. character yet, I'm waiting for the trans character, which I think there might be. Uh, next season, but I don't know. I get that audition. Right. I know. Oh, my God. Uh, after watching it, I was like, um, do you need like an American non-binary exchange student? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I were like, obsessed, that's doing by the way. So well. Anyone who
2: hasn't seen it's that show. It's so, it's so good. It's so fucking And so good. you should
3: watch it because it's all, it's. all there's so many different people involved in that show. Mm. And while there should be more people of color in that show, it's got a really re- well-rounded cast and a really well-rounded um, take on high school and take on sexuality. And on and, adulthood too, even. Like, you're on, seeing I,
2: older people know. being
3: represented in having sexual relationships and all these. But things. then you see how successful this show is, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if it's successful, then the industry needs to take notes yeah. that queer storylines are really exciting to watch. Mm. Especially if they're not just all about being queer, they're just literally having sex and learning about their bodies and learning about each other and just dating, like, come on yeah it's fun to watch yeah like, why do i i don't want to watch a heterosexual couple anymore Mm-mm. especially teenage heterosexual couples i'm like uh i won't even How many let times have i
1: seen that i won't even let my husband and i have sex in front of a mirror anymore i'm like i'm so bored <laughs>
3: <laughs> god evan can we make this like not I'm so like, fucking heterosexual uh, it's so boring Evan. we are heteronormative <laughs> as shit just shake it up. Introduce a new character. These our trans writers. Introdu-
0: <laughs> God damn it, Ellie.
3: Where's the trans writer for my life?
1: Oh, man. Well, thank you both. I mean, honestly, and I, I just want to say this. I know this is going back to something, but um, I just want to thank you both specifically, too, for being like really open and vulnerable with your personal stories because yes. even just hearing just at the top when you're explaining your childhood and like coming into your being and all this, the what was sticking out so much to me before we even started to have the conversation about verbiage and representation was that both of you kept saying, I didn't know because I didn't have a word for it. Which makes me want to like, ugh. <laughs> it's, it's just like, I know this sounds like this. I'm
2: sorry. What are you apologizing for? I'm just saying. You didn't take the words. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were about to launch into saying something. I thought you were, I thought you were preferencing. I'm sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. (laughs) No, I'm saying like, I'm sorry. Like when I, when I
1: hear your stories and when I'm watching something like Disclosure and I'm just like, Mm. I'm sorry. And I'm going to try harder and I need to. And I think about, well, you do, and that's why I listen to your podcast. Well, and I and I deeply appreciate you, but I I, I think even you know, of course, making it selfish about me, I I look in, at my at my child, and I think, oh my god, what if there are words that Ember has that doesn't? There's no words, so she can't move forward. They can't move forward and so I just want to thank you both for being so vulnerable and like expressing that because I think that's so powerful to just hear a personal story so I really
3: appreciate it. I mean I think that there's maybe less to worry about for you know queer youth coming up because they are they like know what they're talking about Mm. they know who they are and it's because there's better trans representation you know kids look to me and like they're like because of you like I figured out that I'm trans like mm. you know it's it's just a, it all comes around to rep, to representation it's going it's it is getting better mm. and I you see it in this flourishing queer
0: youth well and, like and, and, and that's also a thing that um when Ellie and I were kids social media wasn't at the stages that it's at now mm-hmm. and like I was like a MySpace kid who like Mm -hmm. you only I was only friends with the people I knew in my life and in my social circles where like now I you can log on Instagram and follow the transgender hashtag and see
3: that's a really great thing to do if you're sis it's a really great thing to do this is just follow some really awesome like not like trans umbrella hashtags and as you know find people that you just fall in love with and like and just want to follow
1: hmm. I yeah. know you
3: both
2: cited Tumblr, which I thought was so interesting because I'm just thinking now about like TikTok. I'm obsessed with talking about TikTok, but I don't <laughs> understand it. But like what what kids have now, like the world at their fingertips and representation at every corner, even if they're not seeking it out, which is the crazy thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. TikTok is actually I got on TikTok when like the world shut down because mm-hmm. it's like for me to have like controlled little creative <laughs> sure. outlets like a minute to do a thing um but it is such a I was it immediately hooked because I'm seeing deaf folks teaching ASL I'm seeing neurodivergent folks just like living with whatever their like conditions or symptoms are and just like talking about them and like being very vulnerable with them mm-hmm. But then also, like, making, like, fun, like, jokes and challenges out of them and, like, Mm -hmm. people with Tourette's, like, trying to hold an egg for a minute and then, like, seeing how long (laughs) they drop it or throw it. Like, and...
3: It builds community. And that's the thing
0: of where, like, those are jokes that, like, I'm comfortable, like, laughing with and because I'm laughing with the person Mm -hmm. because they're in control of the narrative and they're creating Mm -hmm. the thing. And it's not a tv show where it's like the person bagging your groceries who spills everything and it's like the bitch protagonist laughs at them or anything you know like it's a person in control and having agency over their own identities and i see that all over tiktok across identities and across different experiences and it's so exciting to see and watch i'm like i literally got on there and i was like i'm just gonna like make some videos and like do this for whatever and now i like scroll through and i'm like what can i learn who can i see like <laughs> show me the world You? Yes, really the world. Yeah. It's just all-
1: i know when i downloaded it i'm like oh my gosh i am feel so embarrassed i'm so old downloading this and i'm thinking i'm just gonna see like you know teenagers like doing these dances i'm like why am i sobbing over tiktok right now this is ridiculous <laughs>
2: yeah
0: yes
1: yeah. ridiculous but yeah. Well, okay, so let let the broads know where can they find you? Anything coming up? Yeah. We'll put it all in the episode notes. We'll have it on
3: our Instagram, plug, broads, plug just so you away. know. So please plug um i'm oh you know ellie on instagram I'm like oh you know ellie <laughs> this is the simplest way i could explain how you could spell it <laughs> and um i'm that on twitter as well but i'm never on there um but yeah I'm, i mean if you want to follow like my top surgery journey i'm posting on mm. instagram and um yeah i mean watch rise on amazon we'll, we'll never get a second season but please watch it because i will get residuals yes. and you'll <laughs> like it and um and you'll wish that you that you didn't watch it almost only because you'll want a second season. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, watch Disclosure. I mean, I have a little feature in that, and the story I told about my you know about seeing Adam on Degrassi. I did have an interview with with Disclosure about, and um, there's hopefully going to be some more um, Disclosure content coming out in the so. next few years. So we'll see. I'm yeah. not. I just know the director a little bit. He's told me. Um, because there's just there was so much content. There's so many hours of footage that just didn't get included. Mm-hmm. And my interview is also part of that. So yeah, but you get to see a little clip of me singing, and I know a lot of celebrities watched it and um like Emma Watson heard me sing. So <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? It's fine. And you know what's really funny, you're gonna watch it and you're gonna say, Wow, Ellie's clip was back to back with Adam from Degrassing. I don't know if they did that on purpose. Whoa. Kind of full circle. Oh my God, I need to rewatch now and like take notes yeah. of this.
0: Yeah. Traumatic.
3: <laughs> no, well, I was like, I was like, oh, I kind of hate that we're back to back and that they like showed the clip of Adam as if it was like kind of like a positive representation of a trans mask. Mm. But just knowing my experience and now you all knowing my experience, you'll see, you know, that back to back and know my story. And that's important to me. Mm. Love. Go so watch Disclosure. Um. <laughs> On Netflix. It's free. Go on disclosure. It's long, but it's
0: really, really important. It's free if you have a Netflix.
3: Oh yeah. Account. Yeah. True.
0: <laughs> That's not how <laughs> just free you just
3: get your friend's <laughs> Netflix information.
0: Right. If your mom's uncle's brother
3: Right, which I guess would be yes, and throw it uncle. into their Netflix uh, feed. Oh my them yes. Oh my God, yes. Sneaky!
1: <gasps> I love the Attack sneakiness. Them. I was over doing in the this. beginning," so it
2: says, "Continue watching." Yeah, I'll
1: just go on like my together. dad's and just start watching all this, all this shit, and then like, <laughs> yes. just, like trying just to password. get in
2: his brain. Yeah, like
0: <laughs> 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 incredible love. Um, I love that. <laughs> um, I'm across all social media: um, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um at believe in maybe. Um or and... I'm on TikTok too.
3: <laughs> same same oh, handle. You same are?
0: Yes. Oh, <laughs> I need to follow you. We're doing acting <laughs> challenges, I think. Well, okay. Right, we need ahead. to do that then. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, um, if you have a Hulu account, you can watch the last season of Rami I was on, or the most recent season of Rami, it's not the last. They got picked up for a third. Um and I think that's all. I don't really have anything upcoming because the world shut you're, down. You have um, a little moment on
3: Tales of the City.
0: I did have that as well. Um, uh, if you have a Netflix account, I think Aquafina's Nora from Queens also just went up on HBO Max that I'm also on. Um, and if you're interested in like learning more or like doing better by trans and non-binary folks. Um, if you go to TransgenderTrainingInstitute.com, we have a series of different programming that we offer from like half hour webinars on like getting comfortable with pronouns. It's to like, like Skillshare, but for three trans Three day cool. or four day sessions oh, um, of being a better ally and an advocate to trans folks. Yes. Um, so it's a way to put some money into trans facilitators pockets um, and learn and build a toolbox of how to do better by trans and non-binary folks fantastic
1: love that well thank you both so much so appreciate you both Um, we'll put all that in the episode notes and go watch Disclosure and uh,
2: yeah thank you so much for your time and energy and with that chat soon chat soon